Welcome to Day 141 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and the Kreskis, uh, Matthew and Catherine, uh, as we continue through the drama of Scripture. Uh, we're reading in the book of 1 Samuel, and of course this is a very important transitional book as Israel moves from a time of judges to a united kingdom under both you know Saul and David, and of course the two kings are a very different character. We have fallen in love with this character of Samuel. Uh, he was gifted to his uh, mother Hannah, who in her barrenness prayed and cried out to the Lord for a child. And as the Lord has given her a child, uh, he, she gave the child back to the Lord. He served faithfully, but for the Lord, we've fallen in love with him for his faithfulness, for his devotion to the Lord, and and, and for the story about uh, out of which he's kind of emerged. We come to chapter 8, and we find kind of the first kink uh, in Samuel's armor. Uh, his sons do not share the same passion for the Lord that Samuel shares. And of course, the same thing happened to Eli. His sons didn't share the passion for the Lord that he shared. And it's even worse than that. They're exploiting the temple of the Lord for personal gain, which is the worst thing any Israel, leader of Israel you know, can possibly do. And, and so the nation turns to Samuel, and they see the prospects of his son leading them. And they say, we would like a king like the other nations. There's nothing wrong with the request for the king. Scripture's prepared us for that. Uh, God promised Abraham that out of his line a king would come. Uh, God, uh, in Deuteronomy, talked about the kind of king his people should seek, a king after God's heart and character, a king who's not greedy for personal gain, a king who doesn't uh, acquire chariots and horses and walled cities and those kinds of things, but a king who has taken very carefully and written every word of the law of the Lord out as his personal copy and reads it every day and is devoting to leading the people in such a way that points to the greater king, mm -hmm. uh, which is God himself. So as we come to Second uh, First uh, Samuel chapter 8, uh, we have a request that is not quite in keeping with Deuteronomy. We want a king just like everyone else has. So before we read, let's... Uh, Let's offer this time, offer this moment, offer ourselves to the Lord. What a gift we've been given through Scripture. Uh, scripture uh, is a mirror in which we see ourselves, but more than that, it's a lens through which we see the glory of God and are transformed into His image the more deeply we see Him. So before we read always, we pause. Uh, we recognize that we're in the presence of the Lord, and we ask the Lord through His Spirit to do the work He desires to do through His Word in us. So David, do you mind leading us in prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the wonderful history of redemption that we have seen up to this point. And we thank you um, for your faithfulness, despite the unfaithfulness of your people. And so we ask now that as we turn to your scriptures, you would do a work in us. Um, in the busyness of life, it's so easy to ignore you and, and, and just forget about you. And so now may, may our hearts be turned to you. And may you do a deep work in us. Help us to behold you, um, for our hearts to be renewed and restored in you. And, and give us deep affections um, for what you're accomplishing through your word and all the things you would desire for your people. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. First Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. 
They said to him, You're old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all these words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with the king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said. He repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. There we have the, the picture everything but the kind of king you know that the, the book of Deuteronomy has described and of course that is really where Israel is, is, is moving away from God even in this moment uh, they're looking for something to make them like the rest of the nations when they are to be a distinct people a holy nation a nation that is different in every aspect from every other nation around them mm-hmm. uh, but here they they covet what other nations have and of course what they want is what the Lord has already you know given them uh, you know, the Lord has gone before them to fight their battles for them, and every time they've relied on him, he's given them incredible success. And, and of course, the one thing that, you know, Samuel warns them about from the beginning is your taxes are going to get really high. You know, <laughs> at, the, at this point, it's going to cost you, it's going to cost you a lot. And then you're going to cry out to me, and they're going to say, that's what you wanted all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes the the most painful thing that God can do is give us what we want. And that's exactly what we see happening here. But they, are, their ears were closed to the word of the Lord. It seems, and I mean, this is just such a relatable passage for us to to see just how much, how just how single minded they were with what they wanted. They knew what they wanted because they were so influenced by the nations around them that they had forgotten, they had forgotten who God was and and what He was to them. So. Yeah, there's, and of course you hit a key that you know sometimes the worst thing that can happen to us is to, to get exactly what we want. Of course, we move back into Romans chapter one, and we realize that God gave them over, you know, to the desires of their heart to do what ought not to, not to be done. And of course, it leads into an ever sliding, you know, scale of and into depravity and distance from God. And, and of course, that's that's happening in this particular instance as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to love in spite of the fact, uh, you know, there's a couple of things, you know, that stand out uh, that, uh, 
you know, Samuel should have recognized who his sons were, and he himself is the one who appointed them. There's not necessarily that kind of, you know, family succession as, as far as a leader of Israel, same word that was used, you know, for a judge of Israel or a rescue of Israel, but he gave them the position, you know, that, that he had. And then, of course, the description you have is the description you have in the New Testament and the Old Testament alike of, of you know, false shepherds in a dishonest gang perverting justice. Uh, they're, they're basically you know, in it for themselves, very much like the sons of Eli. And what a mm-hmm. tragic turn or, or irony uh, that the very reason Samuel was brought onto the mm-hmm. scene was because of the corruption in Eli's family. Mm-hmm. So the very reason a king would be brought on the scene is the corruption that you also find in, in Samuel's family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard not to miss, too, just as we've been reading this storyline and seeing that God has rescued a people out of Egypt to himself, he says you're to be my holy nation you know you're to be my people um, who are distinct from the other nations and yet what what israel is crying out here for is is not just we want a king who rules over us we we just want a leader we want to be like the other nations i mean they're losing their distinctive identity as god's people um, in their desire to be like every other nation we see that twice where you know, it says, appoint a king to lead us. This is the elders. Appoint a king to lead us such as the other nations have. And then at the end, you know, when they say, we want a king over us, then we'll be like all other nations. Mm-hmm. You know, in doing so, they'll, they'll lose the distinctive identity that God's called them to be. And, and of course, that's a nice Hebrew uh, literary pattern. Uh, you begin with a request so that we may be like the other nations, and you end with so that we may be like the other nations. And, and of course, that whole idea when you have bookends like that captures the heart of what is you know what is going on in the middle, and and he certainly will be a king you know like the other other nations you know just a little you know the little uh, yeah. you know kind of character both Absalom and Adonijah later you know David's sons will hire fifty men to run in front of their chariots, and there's really no other reason for sons to run in front of chariots other than just to say look at what a big deal I am, mm. you know as people run in front of you and create yeah. you know the fanfare kind of things mm-hmm. and, and so he will you know use you know the best of everything that you have to pay off those that are loyal to him and to kind of build his own security uh, in place as well mm-hmm. so you have that description which is not the description you have yeah. in deuteronomy of, of what a king should be in any form or fashion yeah. so, so you get and, and, and Saul will start off well I know we're getting ahead. We, we don't mm-hmm. quite know who's going to be anointed <laughs> the <laughs> first king of Israel. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> Saul will start off well, but he will become this king, and he will do these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And the one thing Saul will be concerned with more than anything else is, is maintaining power and maintaining image rather than maintaining you know, yeah. a faithful relationship with, you know, with the Lord. Well, if you look at those bookends, you, know, you were saying with the nations, it begins with you know, okay, you, you want a people, well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get this king who will rule over you. You know, this is your desire. And in the end, you know, it's it will re- return you back to slavery. And so, in other words, they're saying you want to be like every other nation. Just remember, I am the Lord who brought you out of slavery. And this request will lead you back into slavery. And it says, and you yourselves will become his slaves. Yeah. And, and there it is, you know, the desire to be like every other nation will return them it's not it will not prove to be a greater freedom it'll actually prove to be another form of slavery no and there is no greater slavery than the desire to be like other people mm-hmm. or the desire to look at the world and, and covet the things of the world and and we've hinted at this a couple of you know, times along the way in this you know passage where we're to be a distinct people 
uh, you know, not uh, not a weird people, but a distinct people that reflect the heart and character of who Christ is, uh, reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of times we have a greater emphasis on how we can be like the world around us than how we should be different and distinct from the world around us. And, of course, those are the things that we should covet, the things that make us distinct because those are gifts of God's Spirit. And, of course, they're a reflection of the person and the character uh, character of Christ as well. And I think you keep seeing, you know, this is a really tragic scene where we're like, oh, my gosh, Israel, like, what, what are you all doing? But then the Lord even says, you know, don't worry, Sam, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me as they have done from the day, you know, I took them out of the slave. Like, while this is unique in a certain way, it is also like this is what they've been doing time <laughs> and time again. Um, and it's just so tragic that they want this king to rule them, and all we read about is all the things he will take. But then we know there's a true king, and, and he's a king that actually gives um, and doesn't take from them in such a way. And so just seeing the contrast, the comparison contrast of just we yeah. know there's a true king to come who, who gives of himself for the people while they want this king who's just going to take for himself from the people. Mm-hmm. So just a big difference in the king they wanted versus the king that, that God and that Christ wants to actually and it will be. ultimately provide. Yeah. So right there, five times in the Hebrew you have the word take, and it's always in Hebrew at the beginning of the sentence. And so you have take, 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 take. And, of course, it's a beautiful contrast mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the Son of Man who you know, did not come you know, to be served but mm-hmm. to serve and to give his life Thank as a you. ransom you know, for many. So we have a portrait of a completely different kind of king. If there is, you know, and there is, by the way, if there is an admirable quality in Samuel, it's in his disappointment, what is the first thing he does? He turns to the Lord in prayer. And and a lot of times we let our disappointment overcome us, our anger overcome us, our jealousy overcome us, uh, rather than taking it to the Lord. And, and of course, in a nice dialogue with the Lord, you know, he works us out and puts it in perspective. And, and of course, the ultimate perspective is, Samuel, this isn't about you. This is about me. This isn't, you know, their response to you. This is how they've been responding to me, how they always will respond to me. And, And, of course, anyone who is going to be a leader you know, after God's own heart, uh, will experience some of the rejection our Lord experienced, mm-hmm. and some of the rejection of the ways of the Lord. You know that uh, that people often often give, and, and and so you will find yourself, you know, caught in this. But you have to love the initial response. He, he goes to the Lord, and he continues to the Lord in prayer, and he is a, a picture of of a mediator, hearing the people going to the Lord, mm-hmm. going from the Lord back to the people, and, and then back to the Lord. And, of course, again, we're reminded of Christ. We have this one God and one mediator between God and man, the man himself, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom uh, for all men. So it is a, both an endearing passage and a sad passage you know, in, in so many ways. And it does, it was Katie so capably pointed out, or at least he pointed out, whether it was capable or not, yes. pointed out that, it, you know, that this was a reflection of our heart, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to be more like the world and less less distinct from it. Mm-hmm. Katie, why don't you close us with sure. a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the true king. Thank you that you are the true king and that you are a king who has given and sacrificed for your people and that you've been faithful um, even when we have been so unfaithful to you. Um, God, would you would you help us to lead us to repentance um, and help us to see 
all the ways that we have turned to other things and the desires of our hearts um, are not of you. Um, and Father, thank you for the grace that that you give us just to get to that point. And then the grace that you um, just have poured out on us in Christ, that we are cleansed from all unrighteousness and um, so that we can be a people who are obedient, who are walking with you. Um, would, would our first reaction be, um, in any situation, be to come to you, Lord, um, as Samuel did here? And Father, would you continue to transform our hearts? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.